know.com clarity about reality alhamdulillah alhamdulillah wa kafa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiyya ba'da wa ba'd i start in the beginning by praising allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i know that everyone does not have uh, this position. It is a valid khilaf between the ulama. I do understand that. But I ask that those with cameras do not take my picture or on your phone or what have you. I respect and understand that you hold your position, but I hold mine. Secondly, um, I don't know whether it's a bit of folklore that is still uh, uh, around me, but um, I have never been to the state of Utah and I've not graduated from the University of Utah. My graduate was from the University of Oregon. My sister once went to Utah and someone overheard that in a phone conversation. And since then, I've been associated with the Mormon state. And I don't know how, because if someone can find a single Mormon in my family, I will pay them 5,000 pounds and take them to lunch because there are no Mormons in my family. Now, this area that I've been asked to speak on is a severe one because it has to do with the consumption of food and the food that you consume that goes into your body feeds your flesh. And what feeds your flesh fuels your brain. If you are fed by poison, your brain will be fueled by that poison. If your brain is fueled by that poison, the functionality of your body and how you will be in your formative years into your later years will be laid out and you will suffer dramatically for it. Now, before I can get into what I want to give you in this brief period of time that I have, we need to look at the baseline of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And the baseline is this. In the beginning of all things, we should look at the resources that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. They are food, water, and the produce of the earth that helps us, pre that helps us preserve our lineage. What are the building blocks of this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said to us, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem, Indeed, Allah has forbidden for you meat found dead, blood, the flesh of swine, and whatever has been dedicated to other than Allah, that which has been choked to death, that which has died from a fall, that which has been beaten to death, that which... <clears throat> that which has been consumed by other animals, that which has been eaten by other animals except what you've slaughtered when you found it still living, and that which has been slaughtered or that which has been sacrificed on top of altars, and that which has been used in divining, that is tribulation. Today, the unbelievers have lost all hope regarding your religion. Don't fear them, but fear me. 
So in the beginning of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that our consumption, our food, we should not be apologetic in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbade us from things and told us that there are certain things that we are to consume. Don't fear them, fear me. Don't worry about what they say. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has completed the faith. Indeed, Allah has preserved and He has perfected and completed for you your deen. And He has completed His favor upon you, and I am pleased with Islam as your religion. This gives us the baseline then that our food, what we consume, has been ordained by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What you are to eat, what you are to drink, what you are to take on board has been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This has been ordained. It is not what we think, it is what Allah has revealed. Further to this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us water to purify ourselves with. This water, this water that we've been given to purify ourselves with, the Prophet has stipulated that this water is used for our purification, for our ghusl, and to purify ourselves and all other affairs, for drinking, for preparing of our food. The sustenance that we take from the food and water nourishes our body. Now, if we are not sufficiently nourished, and our bodies are filled with food that is not tayyib, that is not wholesome, we will suffer the consequences of this. And when they go out in the earth, they cause tribulation therein. And they destroy all of the herbage and produce, and they destroy their own lineage. And Allah does not love corruption. Now, how has our food supply and what we take into our bodies, how has it been altered? What's happened to it? Well, we must talk about what occurred with food after the second European civil war, which is given the misnomer of World War II. Here is what occurred. After the Second European Civil War, there were two things that were left over after the war. Aluminium and phosphorus. The large corporations and companies, because we have to start with the United States because they now and currently are the torchbearers, they are the head on the, the body of kufr that is present today. Their, their culture, their ideas, their accent is the baseline of what this civilization and the world is following, which is why the main movies, the reward ceremonies, their military, their cadence, some of you even have their names on your clothes. I thought that for there were thousands of people I thought named Tommy Hilfiger that were Muslim, and they're not. But it's because of that culture. So we must discuss the dominant culture first, because that dominant culture is then coming here to the 51st state, which is the United Kingdom. 
after the Second World War, massive amounts of phosphorus and aluminium were offloaded into the water. This offload was allowed under the condition that it was admixtured with other chemicals so that it was not purely aluminium, it was not purely phosphorus because that could kill people. So you have to mix it with something. And so they mixed the phosphorus and the aluminium with sodium bicarbonate. And many of the toothpastes, the Aquafresh, the Colgate, were mixed with aluminium white phosphate. And these toothpastes have in them aluminium and high levels of phosphate. And we know from laboratory tests to just basic exposure that when people have been exposed to aluminium, that they suffer brain damage, long-term destruction to their frontal lobe, they suffer from strokes at early portions in their life. People that have aluminium pots when they cook their vegetables and they cook their fruits and other things in them, they make their food in aluminium pots the food takes on the quality of the aluminium. That's why it sometimes has that metallic taste. And they eat it, and it poisons them. Further to this, it was allowed for companies to come to the farming industry and to change the way that meat was slaughtered. Previous to the Second European Civil War, People had industrial ways of slaughtering meat, but it was either hand-slaughtered or it was several machines checked by one man. After the Second European Civil War, they demanded that the slaughtering should be automated, and there should only be maybe one person to look after the entire structure. So you would have several cows on a conveyor, conveyor belt or sitting eating from their trough, and there would be a large blade that would be brought forward, spinning on a cylinder. And this blade would go under their necks and jerk upward and kill them. And then they would be taken, offloaded, and brought around on a circle. And they would make sure that they were broken down, that they were skinned, they'd open it up and take out the organs and all these other things. Things went automated. Now, why is this important? Because by slaughtering the meat in this way, without uttering the bismillah wallahu akbar, by taking a small metal bolt and driving it through the temple of the animal, or electrocuting it, this would make the meat meita, which is carry-on, dead meat. Why is that important? Well, Imam ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, who 900 years ago, when Baghdad had 70 hospitals, he had his own observatory. He was a doctor. He said, one of the wisdoms in the prohibition of meat found dead is the fact that when meat is found dead or it is electrocuted or dies a violent death, the blood congeals in portions of the body. And when you attempt to drain the blood accurately, the blood does not all drain out and it leaves blood spots. So when you cook the meat, those blood spots remain. Why is that such a big deal? It's a little bit of blood between friends. Here's why it's a big deal. When an animal dies of a sudden, or a human being, 
I'll speak of a human being and then we'll translate this over to animals. When a human being suffers a sudden violent blow to his head or to his body in trauma, he releases endorphins to deal with the impending death and what's going to happen to him in the trauma. Those endorphins, those steroids that the body naturally releases help him cope with the onset of death or a near fatal injury. If he dies from those injuries, that steroid, those endorphins have circulated through the whole body, all of that adrenaline, and it's now in the body. When this happens to your meat that you're consuming, you then break down that meat, you take it home and cook it, and the adrenaline, the congealed blood, the endorphins are in that meat. You then consume that meat and that meat adds to your flesh. And that meat nourishes your brain in your formative years. So you have an entire society that has been raised off of meita or off of munchaniqa or off of uh, meat that has been choked or found dead. An entire civilization has been raised off of that type of meat. And you know when you have endorph endorphins and adrenaline, what happens? Your blood rate goes up. You become nervous. You go into a fight or flight mode and all of your senses are operating at their highest point. I lived on the west coast of the United States, Washington, Oregon, California, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado. And the difference between when we left communist North Africa at the fall of the government of Fuad or Farouk and coming into Central and South America, learning Spanish, then coming to the United States, the difference that we noticed upon arriving there was dramatic. A people that are eating meat that died of electrocution or meat that died of itself or was choked or beaten to death, high levels of adrenaline. You have a crime rate, 900 gang murders a year. That's not all murders, just gang murders. What were those kids eating in their lunch? What were those kids being served at their school menu? You have people that are carrying all three forms of diabetes. All three forms. Born and raised out there, they have all three forms of diabetes. You have 10-year-old children having strokes. You have 10-year-old children having favoric convulsions for no reason. They're not, they don't suffer from it in their family. They have no history of it. All of this has an impact on what you consume. Further to this, the meat that you consume affects your process of thinking and it also affects the health of your body. So when you look at the societies that have made mass slaughter their business, it is impacted upon them in ways that are unimaginable. In the 60s, it was no longer good enough to just industrialize meat production. Now what you had to do is you had to do what was called maximizing your cattle. You have sick cattle, they die. The sick cattle are grinded up, mixed with the hay, and that is created into what is called pulpas. 
Polpos is then fed to your healthy cattle. So you have cattle that are normally vegetarian. They only eat grain. Now they're eating polpos or pulpit, which are their grinded up sons or daughters that have been fed to them and they then eat this. We then slaughter those animals and then we consume them and eat them. So those animals, through no fault of their own, have eaten meta or they've eaten something that's died of itself or choked, then we consume those animals. So we are indirectly affected by the corruption that happens to these animals. How else have they maximized? By maximizing, they've decided that there can be no runoff from the animal. So rather than breaking down the bones and having them made into whatever beneficial products they could be made into, when I worked in a slaughterhouse, they would slaughter the animal and all of the offal of the animal, its bowels, its insides, all these other things, they would fall onto the floor. You would sweep up the offal with the sawdust and you would run that through what was called a pulverizer. The pulverizer would bring, as the meat was going through the pulverizer, it would come through long, pockmarked, thin sheets. And then those thin sheets, it would be rolled into a ball, and then it would be, giving, it would be given a coating, which was called IQF, instant quick freeze. That coating is corn syrup, water, and white sugar. And that would be used as a preservative. Then when it's in a solid chunk, you would run a metal container through it so it could be kept on a spool and you would wrap it in plastic wrap. Hence kebab meat. So when they bring it into the store, and I'm not saying it's haram, but I'm talking about tayyib. I'm talking about what's healthiest. So when it's put in, and I obviously I don't want to have any fights with restaurant owners or anything. I'm just quoting this information. I don't want to have a problem with anyone because I know that faces are looking and eyebrows are raised. I don't want a problem with anyone. I'm saying this because it's significant. You have to make your own choices. I'm not telling you, oh, it's haram. I'm saying you have to make your own choices. The meat is then put on the spool, and as it's spinning, it begins sweating. What is that smushy gook that's coming off of it. That is the IQF, the instant quick freeze, or the fat that's coming off of it that helps to preserve it. And it's going into the pan and it has to be collected and people are waiting and they're rubbing their hands for the piece that's to be streamed off for them and then put onto the pan for them to eat. Why do you suppose they don't just give it to you straight away? They, have, they say it has to warm, they have to leave it because they're not allowed to serve you unless some of them do it anyway, but they're not allowed to serve you the IQF because that is used as a preservative. And so it's dark on the outside as they shave it, it starts to lighten up on the outside. Why? Because that darkening on the outside, the meat has aged. It's aged like a cheese. And so that preservative is to keep the rest of it from looking like that. Further to this, they had to maximize in grocery stores. When you come and you look at the meat, whether it's hamburger meat or things like this, the meat will be this brilliant red color and, it's, and it stays out for its shelf time. Once it reaches its shelf life, what happens? Well, you and I both know that meat is not reddish orange. That is food coloring. 
So what happens at its expiry date? They wheel it in the back, take the wrapping off of it, they then re-dye it with the anato food coloring, mix it, and put it back inside of the container, mixing it with fresh meat that's come in, and then they rewrap it with a new due date, and they put it out there. This is what happens. Big companies that have invested in them, like DuPont, major uh, food companies, have invested into the fast food business. So when we consume fast food, it's just that. It's fast food. I use the word food advisedly, but it's fast. It was prepared quickly, and you get what you pay for. Now, why, am I, why have I mentioned meat so much? Because meat, Allah has not commanded that you, sh you shall eat meat. You must eat meat. Allah has not said that. But he said, if you do eat meat, this is how it must be prepared. Now, I understand that when people go out, that they eat. But you must understand what is in what you're consuming. As DuPont and other organizations got involved with the fast food business, the food was commandeered by them. They have their own farms where they grow food with seeds that they themselves have prepared. A lot of these companies, McDonald's, Burger King, they don't work with the normal farmers. Here's why. Normal farmers have what are called virgin seeds. They grow their crops and they grow their produce and their livestock with the own seeds that they've had on their property from the, the crops that have grown on their property. But in the 70s, people from the Department of Agriculture came down to these farms in the United States and said, we would like to give you surplus seeds to help you with your growing. And they would say, we don't want these seeds. We don't need them. We're fine. Well, maybe you don't understand. We said that we'd like to give you these seeds. And the farmers feeling under duress and also some of them being paid large amounts of money would take the seeds, plant them, and those seeds, when they grew, would kill all of their produce. And the leftover seeds that had been grown by the Department of Agriculture in their labs would be the dominant produce. They would pay, and they do pay, farmers every month to pour out any extra milk that they have that's natural coming from their cows. They pay them to allow normally growing grain to die in their storerooms so that way it's not put out on the shelf or given to people free. So when these organizations took the meat that they had, took the produce that they had from their own farms, their own produce, and grew it, they then put it into the restaurants. We're driving through the drive-thru, and we order something and say, well, astaghfirullah, I'm not going to order anything haram. I'll just have a filet of fish and some fries. Do you know where your filet of fish comes from? Do you know what a turbot fish looks like? Do you know how the turbot fish is even processed? It is a fish, the turbot, that's flat, that has its eyes on top of it, that's surrounded it swims in the water, but it has its own trail of slime around it to protect its gills and its outer form. And you have to cut through that slime to get to the meat, and only 5% of it is actually meat. And then you have to process that meat. 
And the processing application for that meat is called instant quick freeze, where you have to soak it in the same mixture of hot water, corn syrup, white sugar. White sugar, which up until the end of World War II was not fit for human consumption. White sugar before the end of the Second European Civil War was used for what? Stripping rust off of iron and metal. White sugar has no nutritional value at all. That's the whole point of white sugar. All of the nutrients have been taken out of it so it can solely be used as an astringent. We use it to rub rust off of cars. Wherever you're struggling, your brake pads are sticking, white sugar, a little warm water, you're straight. It will get rid of whatever you don't want around because of its acidic qualities. It's in most of the, most of the carbonated soft drinks. Now, further from the meat, we have water. How has our water been damaged? Because our water's been affected on a mass scale. I want to briefly explain, if I've got time, the water cycle. Water basically rains down from our atmosphere. The water comes down in droplets into water tables and reservoirs. We drink that, we sweat it off, or we excrete it in the form of urine or feces, and then it goes back up, goes into the water cycle, and goes down. That's a basic, rough idea of it. But the water cycle, by some, has been poisoned. Here is how. If the water cycle gets poisoned, 75% of the human body is water. If the water cycle becomes poisoned, this will have a direct impact on you. In the United States, as I said, they began offloading phosphorus and aluminium into the water supply and admixturing it. Two major disasters happened in the United States. The Hanford nuclear disaster and the Cheyenne dumping grounds. This was the way of them getting rid of nuclear energy and nuclear waste. At the same time, I believe it was resolution, it's Washington State resolution, I think it was 1990, which outlawed, it outlawed industrial complexes from feeding their pigs nuclear waste in the dark and then slaughtering them and selling them for human consumption, which means that prior to that law, sizzling had more in it than just bacon. As this carried on, the water supply of phosphorus and the admixture of aluminium was traced by doctors in the U.S. to have a direct link between that and brain tumors, to hasten the onset or to sometimes trigger multiple sclerosis. Now think about this. Look at the European Civil War, the end of it. Look at the Muslim slaves of Allah that came here or came to the United States from our Muslim countries where people lived to be hundreds of years old. My great-grandmother lived to be 106 and had all of her hair. She died with all of her teeth. And now you have people in their 30s and their 40s they have got multiple sclerosis. They're rickety and they're only 40-something years old and their 90-something-year-old grandparents are out, are out running them. How are you 40 years old and your great-grandfather's out running you? This is the reality. Now, 
When this went into the water supply, the next thing that happened is the, is the actual soil of the earth became poisoned where the produce was grown. If the water that goes into the water tables is poisoned, that goes into the soil. You grow the seeds in the soil, and then your food is completely poisoned. So now the food that you take into your body is poisoned. The water that you drink is poison. The produce in the ground where you're getting it from is poisoned. And then they do a process called aggressive farming. 2% of the world's land is arable. 2%. That means it's capable of growing food and wheat on it. That 2% of arable land is capable of feeding the world 15 times over. Well, what's the problem? Well, mismanagement. Now, when you get soil that is normally a humus soil, it has worms in it, it's almost blackish brown color, it's very dark, it's quite wet, you can hold it and it doesn't properly run through your hands because it's so moist. When the nitrogen levels in the soil go up, you start to see the appearance of clay, the appearance of a thick, Soil that is very light and sandy in color and the ground cracks. That's called scorched earth. Do you know that when these fellas came to Egypt and other countries and said, we want to help you with your problem. We don't have any starvation problem. Sure you do. And they laid down some seeds and killed off half of the rice, half of the rice yield in Egypt. Then they told them, we're going to help you by giving you food and showing you how to plant food. So the NGOs go and show the people in Bangladesh how to plant their food. Did you know in 1999, they sunk over 30,000 wells in Bangladesh? And the way that they sank the wells and how they sank them, did you know that they poisoned over 179 million people in Bangladesh with arsenic poisoning? They poisoned them with arsenic. That will destroy three generations of people in Bangladesh. They're finished in terms of three, they're finished. Barring, some, barring a mu'ajizah from Allah, they're finished. Every single well that those NGOs sank has poisoned them with arsenic. The more merciful among them gave them mercury instead. So at least they get a hallucination before they die or have liver failure. It's poisoned them. So these people that came saying, we're bringing wisdom, we're helping you. Look at the countries where they came and they said, we want to help you. We want to assist you. Now all of a sudden, they've burnt down all their forests. They've got no humus soil left. They've got scorched earth. And what are they doing? Well, they have to take out loans. Any wonder why the Sahara Desert is getting bigger and bigger? Think about the places. Africa has the most loans out of all of them. And they have the most issues with their soil. They had such lush, beautiful soil. It's gone now. The Indonesians are headed the same way. They're headed the same way. A thousand acres, a thousand acres every four hours they're burning. Oh, don't worry, soon they'll be finished as well. 13,500 islands, 200 million people, they'll be finished as well. They'll have their hand out, Amama in their hand, please feed us. We'll pray for food. We'll work for food. This is the condition of what's going on. Our waters, I will mention quickly. When the poison was put into these offloaded waters, you must remember that rivers and lakes feed off into oceans. Now, as long as oceans are able to 
the waves in the ocean are able to move, the tidal cycle with the moon, all these things occur, they're able to offload the poisons and get rid of them. So the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean, they're able to get rid of it if the amounts are not greater than the process of purification in the water cycle. Guess what? The amounts are greater than the process of the water cycle to alleviate them. So what happens? You have a country like the United States that is 2% of the world's population consuming 60% of the world's natural resources and producing 75% of its garbage. In 1989, they had a barge filled with garbage that their landfill couldn't hold. They were trying to give it to different countries. The English said, don't even bother bringing it here. But South America said, we can't take it. We've got our own garbage. The Canadians said, are you guys crazy? Mexico said, you're already bringing your drugs back from here. You want to send us your garbage as well? You've stolen Texas, Nevada, Colorado, all these other places. You stole half of the Aztec Empire. You want us to take your garbage as well? This is what's happened. Now, why is all of this important for us? It's important for us for the following reasons. If you go down to slaughter your meat, you have a good intention, and I don't doubt that. The problem with you when you're slaughtering your meat is some of the cattle that you are slaughtering are the same ones that have been infected. So we have to start looking at alternatives. I want to, before closing, leave you with three things for your reading list. I don't often endorse books in English because most of it is trash. But this is the only time, one of the only times I will do so. One book is called, What Are You Really Eating? How to Become Label Savvy by Amanda Orso the UK's leading nutritionist. She's a scholar in all these issues that have to do with consumption and what's going in the food that we eat. I say it's an important book because often if you're in the, in the, in the store and you're reading, what is hydrogenated soybean oil? What is cocknail beetle extract? What is reconstituted Arabic gum? I'm an Arab and I don't know what reconstituted Arabic gum is. I've never even seen Arabic gum unless I've chewed it and given it to someone. I've never seen Arabic gum. What is powdered octopus tail? Is it octopus? We're being given the names of things. I, I refuse to eat something I can't pronounce. What is this? Harsh, partially hydrogenated soybean oil with natural flavors. What is that, corpse? That could be anything. What is a natural flavor? That could be formaldehyde. We have to understand what's going on. This book will give you a good assistance of it. Secondly, there is a link between people being poisoned and the pharmaceutical in industry when they prescribe you with medication. You come and you say, I have this infection in my lower abdomen. What's wrong? I've got swelling, I've had diarrhea, and I've had all these other problems. The doctor does not tell you, what have you been eating? He doesn't ask you that. Because if he asked you, what have you been eating? Well, I only have a kebab twice a week. 
Um, I eat meat four times a day, as is my sunnah. I, I don't eat anything that's green, and I drink anything that's fizzy. This is my diet. The doctor doesn't tell you what you need to do because, as the Prophet said, the source of all illness is cold. And the illness comes about because of coldness. That's why the pus is coming out of the nose or you have the, the, uh, the mucus coming out of the nose and the mouth. That's coldness. And the scholars like Imam al-Muflih and others say you have to offset the coldness with heat. Things like ginger, honey, hot water. Don't drink cold drinks when you're in that condition. Man has pneumonia and he's having a cold Pepsi. What is wrong with you? You have to offset that with something hot. But the doctor doesn't tell you that. He does what? He prescribes you with medication. Having the problem, the swelling in the abdomen. Yes, I've had headaches. I've had two strokes. How old are you? 22. Take this Thorzine. So then you start getting the shuffling that comes with the Thorzine, the shuffling. And you say, doctor, everything's fine now, but now I'm shuffling as I walk. Okay, we'll take this thalidomide. So the thalidomide gets rid of the shuffle, but now you're slurring in your speech like a drunken man. So you say, well, listen, I'm taking the thalidomide. I'm taking the Thorzine. I'm no longer shuffling. Um, my speech is slurred now. Okay, what you need to take for the speech slurring is you need to take an oxytocin inhibitor. You never once ask them, what is oxytocin inhibitor? What is Thorzine? You never ask them what the ingredients are. You just say, okay, and then you write out something on a piece of paper. You take it. You go down to the place and you take it. Now, you don't shuffle. You don't slur in your speech, but you can't sleep at night. So he gives you no-dose. So now you take no-dose. So you're able to sleep at night, but then you can't wake up for work. So what do you have to do? You have to take Vibrance. So now you're taking no-dose, Vibrance, Thorzine, <coughs> oxytocin inhibitors. Everything seems to be fine, but your reflexes are off. You're very jumpy. So now you have to take a reflex inhibitor. But because of your reflex inhibitor, now you can't drive because your reflexes aren't fast enough. So you lose your license. Now you get paid disability. And you're taking all these things and you're on disability. There are people who have suffered from this for years, got rid of all of their medication, broke down their diet, they've gotten rid of cancer, they've gotten rid of all different types of problems they've had by changing their diet by changing their diet. I tell you the truth, your diet is the key to your destruction. Some of us that are married, whether it's the man that's cooking or the female that's cooking, some of us are culinary assassins. We're killing our family. You are a culinary assassin. He comes home from work or she comes home from work, you say, don't worry, I've cooked, and the assassin has been at work. And you sit down, and you pronounce Allah's name over that poison. You swallow it into your belly, and you roll around tossing and turning. I can't sleep, and I don't know why. Are you worried about anything? No, I feel fine. It's because you've just had poison. You've just had poison. Now, the fiqh of medicine is important. Sudanese author. I think this book is one of the most slept-on books in English. A lot of the medical issues, he quotes from the Fuqaha and the Four Schools. He does a brilliant job. There's only a few areas where he said he couldn't find it because he's mainly a doctor. He's not a faqih. So he tells you, I couldn't find it. I don't know where it is. 
In this area, Little Matter of Genocide by Ward Churchill, I advise you to read this book. It's hefty. The bibliography is about 500 books. However, however, this book shows you one of the systematic ways that a people are destroyed simply by poisoning their food supply. The aboriginal natives in the United States were 160 million people when Columbus first set his little feet on the ground there. They're now under 2 million. That decrease occurred in the first century. It wasn't just the chicken pox, it wasn't just the gonorrhea, it wasn't just the bad sanitation habits, it was a number of other things. It was diet as well. Now, I've dropped all of this on you, and obviously, it's not right that I stand here and berate you or say this to you and then don't give you an alternative. I need to give you an alternative. Okay. Your alternative is in three areas. One is, I advise you to try to have the purest food that you can possibly have. Shopping at some of the local shopping centers or what have you is convenient, but sometimes what's easy and convenient may not always be the best thing for you. I would advise you in this country, they're still beating back the tide of genetically modified crops, and farmers here have flatly refused to accept the seeds that the government has brought to them. They flatly refuse them because they know from counterparts in the United States that it's designed to destroy their crops. You need to link up with these people and start to form loose associations. There are farmers in Cotgrave and Mansfield and areas that they, would, they have no problem with you coming and slaughtering on their premises. They have no problem going into some type of partnership with you for potatoes, for grains, and they would love to make your acquaintance because every year they suffer because of bigger businesses muscling them out. And they would love for someone that has the same love and zeal about good prepared food to come to them. They would love that. And at first, it will be inconvenient because you'll have to buy your potatoes, your produce from one area, and then your fruits and everything from one area. I'm about 70% there. I'm almost done with codifying everything. Learning to can your own vegetables and fruit. Well, we can't do that. I mean, they know what they're doing. We have to trust them. Canning is an easier process than you think. I've been, I've been making my own bread my own cookies, my own, I've been canning for years now. My sister, all she does is can in terms of her canned food. It is a much easier process than you think, and it's easier to start up than you know. And you know straight away what's in there, and you don't have to become a biologist and a science experiment whenever you go shopping. You have to have a degree in Latin and Greek in order to read the food ingredients list. Save that and form loose associations. Number two, some of the way that we have been living has been because of our close proximity to those who are around us who they are living unhealthy. 
How can we hope to guide these people, some of them, how can we hope to guide them if we exhibit the same illnesses as them? If we exhibit the same tribulations as them? If we fall for the same ideas and errors that, as them, how can we hope that some of them will listen to us? We have to change the way that we go about things. And that has to be changed. Like I said, it will be inconvenient at first, but you will fall into a rhythm. The third thing that I would advise, the third thing that I would advise is this. Whatever food that does come into your house, you need to start to protect that food. If you don't drink bottled water, and if you're not sure about the purity of your water, you need to find out the pH balance of your water. The pH balance is the level of acidity in your water. The level of toxins in your water. If you have a lower pH balance than seven, then your water will be healthier for you. Especially if you already have plankton in your water, that's a sign you have healthy water. When the plankton and bacteria that naturally occur in your water are dead, that's a sign that you're on one of the extremes of the spectrum. And that water is not really safe for drinking unless you ionize it and you filter it. I know it's expensive, but it's an investment worth having. And you'll notice the taste. I've, I've given people water out of the tap and given them ionized and filtered water and said which ones, and they know straight away, it's this one. This water tastes softer. It feels different. The body of this water is different. And when you have small children that are coming up, you're growing these little shoots, these little seeds. Don't you want them to be better than you were? Don't you want them to have a better shot Many times when you see the children, they have the blotching and the skin is very blotchy and other things. All of a sudden, you cut out a certain few things and you say, subhanAllah, what happened here? Because what they were putting in their body was hurting them. This is my final point now. I appreciate your patience with me. I have tried to lighten my accent. It's gotten worse in the past few years. I don't know why. It may be because I'm surrounded with a different accent. I feel I must strengthen it. I don't know. But I appreciate your being patient with me. I, want to, I wanted to give you these solutions because one of the things that the brothers that spoke to me stressed was that we want solutions. So I didn't want to just come to you and say, your food is poisoned, now die. <laughs> that would not have assisted you at all. You would have said the man's clearly insane. After all, he is 37. He has all types of mental issues. We don't trust him. May Allah guide him. I wanted to come to you and say, there are some issues with your food, but there is a solution to it. You do have options. Now, these options at first won't be as convenient, but over time, you will feel the difference you will be able to demonstrably see the difference. Children that were normally bad, well, all children have a point where they're bad, but children that demonstrably had behavioral issues, 
that changed their diet and their nutrition. Their behavior changed. Their behavior changed. And the Prophet he told us that it's been made halal for us to tayyibat. And sometimes you tell people, brother, that's not the best thing for you. Akhi, it's not haram, is it? Yes, but is it tayyib? Is it wholesome? Just because something isn't haram doesn't always mean it's wholesome. Cricket's not haram, but is it wholesome? Beetles aren't necessarily haram, neither are locusts. But are they wholesome? Will you get your recommended five a day by eating them? No. So then we want to eat what's wholesome. To have the best that we can. And even if we can't, we give those under us, those that are under our charge, the best that we, ha that we can. Because all of your consumption, all of your food goes into your body. If you wonder why you struggle, why can't I do hifad? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? I used to be so energetic. I used to have this. I used to have that. Look at what you're putting in the machine. That may be it. And those that prepare the food, that are in charge of preparing the food in their homes, you have to look. Your pans should not be aluminum. You should flip them over and always look to make sure it's stainless steel or some other product. Do not cook using aluminum pans. That is a death sentence on your family. That's a death sentence. Protect yourselves and cook using proper equipment, whether it's crockery or whether it's stainless steel. Make sure your silverware, they're still selling lead silverware with lead in it. Don't buy lead silverware. You have to protect yourself because you're putting this in your body, you're consuming it. So those who are in charge of preparing the food have a responsibility. Those that make the money to bring in the food have the responsibility to bring in only the best food. And from there is where success will come. أستغفر الله لي ولكم أستغفر الله إن الله غفور رحيم 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 السلام عليكم No Clarity about reality See more at no.com